0: Hey there, it is Mr. Fourth Row, and before we get into this episode of RMP Radio, just wanted to give you guys a heads up uh, that we had a little bit of a connection issue towards the end of the interview. I did my best to try to spice it all together. I think the point did get across to talking about the end of the month with uh, RMP and Shocktober and all the other events that uh, are coming up for the entire month. So enjoy listening to RMP Radio, and I'll be back after the interview.
1: Yeah, it's cash! Get DJ this McGuire, this hot as a log fire, fire spark the, the lighter, fire. lighter in the 303 We wrestle at the quarry Golden Colorado Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy Elevated Wrestling, yeah Hashtag follow, follow if you know the motto. motto Can't stop now, got the need for speed Combustion and concussion are in my vision. vision I put the key in the ignition Such an easy decision I got a hustler's ambition Wrestling at its best Welcome to the show I put on for Rocky Mountain Pro Let's go
0: All right, RMP Radio is on the air. I am your host, Mr. Fourth Row, and on this episode with me, I have the owner of Rocky Mountain Pro, and that's Mercury Matt Yaden. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you uh, this afternoon?
0: I am doing just fine. So, hey, like we uh, do uh, on RMP Radio, kind of uh, break the fourth wall and get to know a little bit more about the person behind the wrestler. Uh, right now, uh, Matt, you are, uh, uh, taking a little bit of a, uh, heel turn. Uh, we're most commonly used to you being a face, but, uh, how's it, uh, feel, uh, doing a little bit of a heel turn and what's your philosophy about, uh, playing faces and heels in the, uh, wrestling industry?
1: Uh, I mean, I think to each individual, it, it, it kind of varies, you know, um, I think, I think you need that ability to kind of go one direction or another. Uh, I've been a face for a while now, as, as you stated. So it's one of those situations where you just kind of need to turn things over, change things up. People need to see something something else uh, besides what they've been watching for, you know, in my case, for instance, four or five years. And I've, you know, battled some, Uh, problems with coming back and having to take time off and come back, taking time off. So I think that the beauty of doing this now is, you know, you talk about breaking the fourth wall, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of me inside of there and a lot of feelings inside of there and things that you are genuinely frustrated with or, or looking at things that you, that you feel inside that, Being a heel a lot of the time it allows you to let that out if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it's kind of therapeutic in a way.
1: Right, right. You can this outlet for us allows us to kind of heal a lot of things in our actual lives, and it's it's a good thing I think. So it's it's something that I think within the wrestling the wrestling industry you've seen. Most major names and people—they go through shifts, and you can't be the same forever. So you have—you kind of ebb and flow. So it's—it's uh, it's exciting. I'm really happy about the change. I'm, I'm glad I get to do it with one of my best friends, Curtis Cole, and it's going to be a good time. We're gonna—we're gonna raise raise some hell.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Over the next couple of years, I think.
0: Yeah, you know, and um, you know, if, and if I'm correct in my thinking, you know, when um a few years ago, when uh, you and uh, Anaya were kind of teaming up, and then you kind of had a little bit of a split, you were tr- your your character was trying to turn heel, but it just did it. Was it me, or did it just not? Does it was just not catching? Just was the storyline just not working, and something that like like that just kind of happens.
1: There was a there was a lot behind that, I think, and there was there's always moving parts within. Yeah. within the, the company and kind of the direction we're going my again you know back to the reality of things a lot of what you were seeing were was was a lot that was inside of me yeah out of a frustration yeah you know? so for instance when I was working with anaya and, and and I kind of turned on him in that case I had been I had been Run through the ringer and abused by Anaya and Hoodie for so long—is that really a heel thing at that point? When I just beat someone to it, yeah, because I know they're going to do it to me. So I don't know if that really took as me being a heel. Because I think if you're watching and you've known the history of me, Anaya, Titus, Hoodie, you would understand why a guy like me would just do a heel or babyface. Enough's enough, and you finally start snapping. And then that kind of carried into what happened with Severino Corrente and me really trying to keep control of my organization, my school. And I don't know if people took it as, as me being a heel or not. It was just kind of a more aggressive aggressive Mercury Matt Yadin. And that doesn't necessarily make you a heel. Especially if you've been following me for a long time or following Rocky Mount pro slash NRW for a long time. So maybe that had something to do with, with it not kind of taking the hold, but I tell you what, man, you you hit a legend like two Cold Scorpio in the back with a chair, all bets are off. All <laughs> the, you're,
0: the true, you are true. a
1: son of a bitch at that point.
0: <laughs> right. So, so in, in that aspect with the, uh, the Anaya storyline, do you think it was more maybe kind of a vigilante? I had to do what I had to do kind of thing. Maybe.
1: Yeah, and I think I remember even saying that. I, I did it to you before you could do it to me. I did the same thing to Hoodie at, I believe it was Milestone 4 when we wrestled Kaz and Daniels, and Hoodie and I were working together. And I, him and I were tagging, but, you know, we weren't, we had neutral respect, but didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, and where everybody expected him to do it to me. I did it to him, and that was my thought process at the time, too. It's like, I know you. I know who you are. I'm going to go ahead and beat you to the punch. But at that point, when Mars was around, I did go full-blown heel because we were just kind of assholes to everybody. Yeah. So it's possible. We've seen it before.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people answer this, but do you have a lot more fun playing a heel? yes <laughs> uh, Cause
1: you, absolutely
0: because you, you could just you can just let loose and just let your creativity flow, huh?
1: I believe so and not not that you can't do that as a baby face yeah. but there's just I don't know, I can't really describe it and, and maybe I'm a little biased towards it just because the majority of the time I've been a baby on yeah. most of the things I've done, so when I get a chance to do it, maybe it's more of it. It's just different for me, and I and I feel like I can be more creative, not in the sense that I couldn't be creative as a baby face, but I was a baby face for so long. This is a new way of, of showing that creativity and getting out there and taking a different direction, getting different reactions from the audience and things like that. So And, and you know what? And I never would have thought this when I first met the guy and as I've become friends with him, but I had heard a lot of people talk about seeing Curtis Cole other places being a total, a total (laughs) asshole. And I was like, I don't know, but when you see him do it, you're like, wow, you are, he's a good baby face, but he's a great heel. Like you, I, I hate him and I'm a heel with him. Like that's how good he's getting at it. It's great. Uh,
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and speaking of it, um, do you, you find that, um, working uh, in this case as a tag team kind of both turning heel at the same time is it just kind of elevating the the storyline and each other and kind of really you know also making the creativity of hey you know uh, input from each other hey why don't you try this why don't you try that that kind of thing
1: I believe so I think it gives you some backup it gives you some room to bounce ideas off of each other it gives you it, it just it's always it's like having a workout partner. You got a good workout partner. You tend to push yourself a little bit harder in the workout and you're trying to get in shape. And if you have a partner in this where you're both kind of shifting in a place where you, you know, he's always been a baby face yeah. here you know, since he started.
0: So right. for
1: him, it's a complete change. For me, the majority of the time I've been a baby face save you know, maybe a six month period. But be able to do it together then you're talking and you're bouncing ideas off of each other and you know what what really elevates this is the fact that this entire turn is happening against a legend so right. gold score you know, i think has really elevated that for who we're doing this with it's made it's made a big a big difference in, in our confidence too and what we're able to do and, and and what we're able to accomplish with this right now so Definitely better to do it with a partner,
0: yeah. I believe. And um, also, just a little bit uh, in this case, uh, working with uh, two cult Scorpio and, of course, Airborne uh, Alex Anthony. Um, how how is that, uh, you know, helping, um, you know, behind the scenes, uh, or or so, uh, you know, uh, the creativity, you know, being able to bounce stuff off of them and work with them, and just making this whole r- little, you know, rivalry, uh, you know, on fire, like I told you.
1: It's just, uh, it just, it's really simple. Just having them around and the, the, between the two of them, you know, forty, I might even more, 51 years of experience. If you put the two of them together,
0: yeah,
1: um, it it makes it, it makes the entire, the entire organization better. And getting to getting to hear the expertise of a two cold Scorpio who's world traveled, that it just it it, it elevates everybody's game. Uh, but eventually you got to make sure he knows who's in charge. So you hit him in the back with a chair.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. Well, and then, um, another thing I'd like to talk to you about, uh, you know, on the Twitch stream, uh, you and, uh, Curtis have, uh, the, uh, Twitch show, uh, punished by pixels. And it's about video games that you've been revisited, uh, you know, trying to, uh, Beat them, and you know you were frustrated by you know at the time you know years and years ago, younger people. Uh, So, what have uh, been some of the you know things that uh, most astonish you by revisiting some of these uh, classic video games uh, from your past?
1: Well, we just it'll always amaze me, and it it takes me back to a to a time when we lived in Spanaway, Washington at the time. This is I I think this is ninety one maybe 92, so I'm about 10 or 11 years old, and, and my brother helped my mom with some stuff in the, this garden she had uh, out in, in the yard there at the house. And I remember I was the video game nerd uh, of, the, of the five kids. I, I took to the video games the most. So my brother Dan got a Nintendo game, Called Time Lord that I, I guess my parents found as a reward for helping them out. Of course, I'm the one that ended up playing it, not Dan, because he was just wasn't really crazy about video games. And I remember sitting playing this game, Time Lord, uh, and it was you time traveling something or other. I and my dad, when he would watch me play, he'd stand behind the couch, watch me play video games, and he'd say okay, what's the story of this guy? Why is he doing what he's doing? Like, he'd ask me for the kind of the story or what the whole the premise of the game was. Mm-hmm. And I remember him, as I was playing Time Lord, and I, I remember being in the Wild West level of the game and him going, you know, in 15, 20 years, you're going to look back at this game and think it looks terrible. <laughs> and 10, 11-year-old me going, there's no way. This is amazing. Like, how incredible that game looked. And... And having a discussion with him about that, and he talks about, oh, technology, and think about, you know, when when I was a kid, this didn't even exist. And he just kind of had this talk with me about how technology is always improving and things will look better. And you'll be amazed when you look back 10, 15, 20 years from now, what, like, oh, my God, I thought that looked great. And that's kind of what this is. Is you go back and you remember how blown away you were as a kid at what these games looked like and how long you thought they were because of the difficulty of the games at the time because they just could only fit so much on a cartridge so they had to make it punishingly difficult for there to be longer play a longer play life for you so i think that's the biggest thing and how much better i was at video games when i was (laughs) a kid than i am now because i sure i struggle with the stuff that i used to to get through you know, not easily, but you know, after some practice, I was able to pretty much beat anything I, I put the time into. Ninja Gaiden, Punch Out, you know, stuff like that. But as an adult, it's 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 proven to be a lot harder going back and looking at that stuff. Hmm.
0: So, uh, was the uh, NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the system of choice that you kind of grew up with and w- were doing this with?
1: Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And I was right, right in. I was right in that. I, I, I'm 38 years old. I feel like I really did grow up when it comes to video games in a cool time because we got to see such rapid advancement when video games were brand. You know, they've been around for a while, but as far as like a big commercial like industry, uh, the, the crash of 1983, and I was two years old when that happened. And I remember my brother. I think we lived in Yakima, Washington. had a had an Atari 2600 up in the attic, there was a little attic room that I think, if I remember correctly, Dan had, because I remember playing combat with my brother, but I didn't really know what I was playing. I didn't really understand video games at the time, and I remember a neighbor kid had Pong, you know, but when we were moving to to Texas from Washington State, I was about five. This was, I believe, 1986, 1987, Um, and my brother told me about this Mario Brothers game, Super Mario Brothers that he'd played at an arcade cabinet, how amazing it looked. And stopping at a diner on the way as we were driving from Washington to Texas, and there being in this little diner, an arcade cabinet that was Super Mario Brothers. And Dan taking me up to it, my parents giving him a quarter, and him having to kind of help hold me up to look over the thing, because I was, you know, I was was like five. Uh, But that was my introduction, really. And then we got... The Christmas of nineteen eighty seven, we got our Nintendo. And I've got the video of it and I wanna post it. I don't wanna create an opening for Punish My Pixels. It's me and my brother getting the Nintendo and jump me jumping up and down yelling a Nintendo and Nintendo over and over again. Um, my dad filmed everything in my life. So pretty much anything that happened, I could say, "Hey, I got that on footage. Um, but yeah, that was I started with Nintendo and then when we got into the 90s, the Sega Genesis Super Nintendo War was kind of going on. Mm-hmm. And I I got a paper route so I could buy a Super Nintendo. Because that just... I just kind of gravitated towards the Nintendo products because that's what I knew. I had a Game Boy. Got that in, you know, Christmas of 1989. But I'm still partial to Nintendo. Like, if I have to choose, I'll play the Switch. Like, I I had a GameCube. If I do play anything, I just... I'm kind of one of those brand loyalists when it comes to Nintendo because that's what I grew up with. But I'd say the Super Nintendo, I probably spent the most time on. Ah, I see.
0: And so, uh, what were your? Uh, you You mentioned um, was it Time Lords? What, uh, what What were kind of your other favorites uh, uh, for for various reasons of, you know, game game titles and such.
1: So on Nintendo, I'd say I probably my favorite Nintendo game. Was probably Ninja Gaiden. I spent a lot of time on on the first Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out is one that never gets old. You could just pop it out and still play it. I love Mike Tyson's Punch Out. So on Nintendo, I'd say that there were a lot that I played. Uh, the Legend of Zelda, I liked. I didn't get crazy into it. I actually played Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, before playing the first Zelda. Oh. So I'm one of those that doesn't hate Zelda 2, the side scroll again. I actually think it's a pretty fun game. But it was insanely hard, and I got to the end of it, and the battery backup failed. And I remember wiping everything out, and I never tried to go back through and beat it again. Super Nintendo, my favorite game of all time is Chrono Trigger on Super Nintendo. Yeah, like that's you know that that's up there with my favorites of, of all time for sure. Uh, the tattoos on my back, the, the spiky headed red guy on the left shoulder, and the blue haired guy on the with the scythe on the right shoulder, those are from Chrono Trigger. Uh. A lot of people. Dragon Ball Z when they see him because I believe the art the guy that drew Dragon Ball Z also drew Chrono Trigger.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that makes and, sense.
1: And Chrono looks a lot like a Goku, look almost exactly like Goku. Right. So, a big Chrono Trigger fan. I liked the RPGs as I got into my teenage years.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and then okay. Well, now speaking of the premise of Punished by Pixels, what are those games that just like? You know, chap your hide about, like, oh, this is the reason why we're starting Punished by Pixels. The ones that were just like, man, this is, this is, this is the game. These are the games I want to revisit and get to and, and see if I can, you know, get over on them.
1: So, Jackal was one that we played. Talking about another favorite Nintendo game. Uh, Jackal, I don't remember beating it as a kid. We ended up beating it at Brack House, actually. Um, I was down to my final life, but Jackal was fun, but it was frustrating Uh, when I was a kid. Games like Bubble Bobble, which is, I've never understood the appeal of it. I know people love it. I played it a little bit with my daughter when she was younger, and it was fun because she thought the dinosaurs were cute, but that looping song and just 99 levels, and then I think when you finish it, you just start over. I've never got through the 99 levels, so I think that's one that we should do because that would be torture. I'd say, yeah, stuff like that. You know, Castlevania was one that I actually didn't beat as a kid. This was before Punished by Pixels. Curtis would come over to my house. We'd stream it on Facebook Live. That's how he came up with the idea. And he'd never actually seen someone beat the original Castlevania in person. He'd only seen, like, videos of it. Yeah. So I said, I'll do it. So I think in, like, two hours and 14 minutes, I ended up beating it. Oh, cool. And and he was blown away. He He realized that I am pretty good at the old the old games if, if i if i put my mind to it but
0: well awesome i laugh at bubble bobble because i'm there with you um i have beaten it with my sister and so if you ever need a bubble bottle person hit me up <laughs>
1: you might have to do that episode with us that just that song just loops over and over and over yeah i'm trying to think of other games that i mean there were a, there were a lot that just didn't make sense you go back and you watch or you go see old Nintendo games, you're like, this isn't even playable. Like, how did I, Fester's Quest is awful, which didn't make sense. I remember that coming out, being super excited about it because I love the Adams Family and the game was just, it made no sense. It was terrible. The Goonies 2 was one that I'd like to play on Punished by Pixels because I, it's a fun game. I could just never beat it because it's so weird and cryptic and it's like a giant maze. I don't know if you've ever played The Goonies 2. No. Which I thought was like a video game sequel to the movie. It turns out they actually had a Goonies, uh, in Europe, a Nintendo game I think it was in Europe that never was. I think a mermaid or something. It's weird. Switch stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: currently have any um, future plans for Punished by Pixels of which games you're going to revisit or is it just kind of ad hoc uh, make it up as you go? Well,
1: we just try to consistent schedule. It's been, it's been a tough six months trying to really get it moving. I want Curtis and I want to take some time and we're going to be just a little bit. I'd like to create it where we can, can make it look a little more official than us just turn it on. Yeah. So, the theme I like, the Rich, like you had mentioned it when you first asked about it, the theme originally was games that we couldn't beat as kids that we're going to try to beat now that at least one of us didn't beat. I think we're going to get a little more loose with that format. Like, let's just play old games that are really hard. We'll try to lean towards the ones we could never beat. But if something is difficult or if there's a modern game that's very difficult that's kind of in that retro style because that's a big thing now. The, the indie companies make a lot of those Retro 2D side-scrolling 8 and 16-bit games, and I think that would be fun to kind of plug in there. We did Cuphead for a little bit, and I wanted to throw the controller <laughs> to the window of grandma's house, which is the name of a bar, by the way, I'm not talking about my actual grandma's house.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, I think I think we'll stick with Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Try to find, trying to decide if we want to play fun games that are hard, or if we want to play maddening you know like angry video game nerd recommendation like if you go back and you watch james roll videos like trying to pick out some of those those games that are just this is insanely difficult and the game's not good because i think people watching you suffer and swear at the tv is probably more fun than watching you have fun
0: right so (laughs) yeah i i can see that (laughs) all right (laughs) Okay, and then also uh, one last thing I'd like to talk to you about is uh, you mentioned in a lot of interviews uh, growing up that you uh, wanted to uh, be a uh, baseball player before you became a uh, professional wrestler. Um, and uh, tell us about that. Was, did you say you wanted to be? A, was it a catcher? I, I believe.
1: Yeah. So I grew up. I loved sports. I loved football. I loved baseball. I was a was a really big baseball fan. I was always gravitated towards baseball and growing up let's say we moved from washington state to texas when i was five so my elementary school years were spent grades one through four in course again of tennis that's when i really started to pay attention to sports so you know you had your you had your main players that everybody kind of knew no matter who they played for you know i like for instance i loved joe montana but i was, became a big cowboys fan Living in Texas, which, you know, as you went into the 90s, the Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers were pretty big rivals. They were the two best teams in the NFC for half a decade. Yeah. And, but I was kind of starting to find what I liked, who I liked in each sport being in Texas. You know, I became a, a Cowboys fan. And then I was a big Texas Rangers fan and I loved Nolan Ryan. And to this day, he's still my, he's my favorite athlete of all time. Like I, idolized Nolan Ryan which I think most kids in Texas did in the 80s so I was a big fan of Nolan Ryan and as I was playing little league I remember the day that one of the coaches just put me you want to try to catch you want to be a catcher and I'm, sure I ended up being pretty naturally good at it for that age at least and I caught that just continued catching so because I was a catcher I really looked up to Ivan Rodriguez, who also oh. played for the Rangers. Yeah. So I was just I, that was what my dream was. is I wanted to be a catcher for the Texas Rangers growing up. So even after we left Texas, I just kind of stuck with those were my favorite teams: the Rangers, the Cowboys, you know, the Dallas Stars. They moved, I believe, from Minnesota to Dallas. I think after we moved, but because they were a Dallas team, like I, I liked the I uh, liked the Stars and the Dallas Mavericks. So I just kind of. My men, my my fandom kind of stuck with 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 Dallas because that's where we lived when I kind of started paying attention. But but baseball has always been king to me, and that's that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be a I wanted to be a catcher or a pitcher. I would have liked to pitch too. I've always tried to pitch. I just have control issues. I could throw hard, but I couldn't throw where I wanted it to go. So so yeah, that's that's kind of where it was. I I played up until my sophomore year of high school, and then my junior year, I stopped playing baseball, which I'll always regret that I didn't play my last two years of high school. Uh, but I play now in the summer. I play in the NABA with so the Fast Pitch Adult League. So I still get to play a little ball and have some fun.
0: Oh, very, very, very cool. So now that uh, you're in Colorado, has the Rockies supplanted the Texas Rangers, or are they equal footing, you know, A L team, or – what
1: they've supplanted them so i i moved here in 2003 i never lived near a national league city i like the national league game better austin reddick wouldn't agree with me because i know <laughs> he likes the american league game better and he thinks he thinks everybody should have a DH. that pitcher's hitting is stupid we've had this conversation before but i like the national league game uh so i kind of became interested in that and I always root for the teams where I've lived so I was born in Washington State so I you know when we were there I liked the Mariners we actually lived there when Ken Griffey Jr. was a rookie Mm. and Edgar Martinez was playing Jay Buhner Uh, it it was you know it was a fun time and again at that age I wasn't really putting together that the Rangers and the Mariners were in the same division I really wasn't supposed to like them both but I did you know because I lived there most of my extended families from Washington State. But we uh, when I moved here, it was like any other city. We spent a lot of time in Ohio. I moved to Colorado from Ohio, middle school and high school and a couple years of college out there. So I liked the Indians. I wanted to see them do well. I'm not a big, huge fan. But I always to root for, for the home team wherever I live. I'm like my dad. My dad's the same way. But I came here, and I, I love Colorado more than any other state I've ever been in. I, I love Denver, and I love Coors Field. So I went to a couple games and really liked the stadium and, you know, Helton, and and, and Helton really, you know, well, I just thought help was awesome. I, I just really started putting myself into it and paying more attention to, to the Rockies and took to them very quickly. I think in 05 or 06, the Rangers were in town, and – was like I don't know who to root for. <laughs> so I just kinda of went to the game, like I will say and kinda of found myself naturally wanting to see the Rockies win. So I was like, okay, I think the Rockies have supplanted the, the Rangers is my number one team. So the Rangers are they're number two. And you had said it just a second ago. I got an A L team and an N L team that I really follow heavily and it's that so it's cool. They're not the same the same league. It'd probably be torture if there was a Rockies Rangers World Series, but there, it's the Rockies and the Rangers. That'll so probably never happen. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's 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 true. But but now with uh, inter interleague play being a big thing of MLB, you're gonna see you know you're gonna probably see the Rangers every you know in Colorado every maybe six to eight years or so.
1: Yeah, I mean it should be about time that they come back. I think.
0: Yeah, because they they rotate, you know, which division plays which division, and who's home and mm-hmm. away, and you know, it, scheduling MLB, you know, who can figure it out exactly, but it's something like that.
1: Yeah, and it, I I, I know a lot of people didn't like the interleague play when they started doing it, uh, but I, I think it's I think it's been pretty cool because you do get to see those teams you don't normally see, and
0: right, yeah, that's, yeah. That's where it allowed yeah, me
1: to figure out who my favorite team was at one point.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's where I am too, and I'm exactly the same thing. It's like, oh, the for example, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be in town in Denver. I haven't seen them. You know why not?
1: Yeah, it makes a big difference. Does, you can only see so many Dodgers or Giants or Diamondbacks games. Right. Where
0: you're like, all right, well, it's
1: the Dodgers again. Yay.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: I just did some of those teams, and, but so yeah, that's my. My, my passion, my love as far as sports always been baseball. I love baseball and that's people ask me you know how long I wanted to be a pro wrestler and I was like not until I was about seventeen. like I didn't I didn't grow up disliking pro wrestling. I had some friends that liked it. I I'd maybe see it when I was at, staying overnight at their house or something. but it was wasn't my thing. My dream was to play professional baseball. And the wrestling thing, I just kind of met some guys that did it and fell in love with it that way, started hanging out with people that had a huge passion for professional wrestling and found that I really liked it a lot and that I'd been missing out, not watching it as a kid. So I went back and started watching old stuff to catch myself back up. And here we are. you know. Like it was, It's really a complete accident that I'm even in the wrestling industry at all because I never sought it out. I just met the right people at the right place, and kind of kept moving with it. So, yeah, and you never,
0: you never, like, you never know what, how life is going to take you. And in your case, wrestling, and now you're the owner of Rocky Mountain Pro. Right.
1: right. You know, <laughs> it, it's really, you, you know what it is, and what I've learned, and, and it, it, it's as long as you keep moving forward with something, you're never sitting still. Your eyes are always looking ahead, your head's on a swivel, you're looking for opportunities. And if you're open-minded to a lot of different things and you're not just, I'm not saying don't be focused on a, a few things that you're passionate about because you should be, but as long as you're always kind of looking around and willing to kind of move with things, and change with the times, and go with the flow, you might run into something that you didn't even realize that you liked or could be passionate about. And in my, my case, it's allowed me to make a living in something pretty cool and not at least for the last six years now uh, or five years i guess five or six have to work a day-to-day nine-to-five type of job and i feel very fortunate and blessed that the opportunity kind of fell in my lap and that it was something that i took to so quickly and liked so much that i was willing to just kind of hang in there and keep looking around, and okay, this didn't work, I'll try this, this didn't work, I'll try this. I never thought my living in wrestling would be made running a school and a promotion. I wanted to wrestle for someone else. I wanted to make it to, you know, WWE, or Impact, or or wherever, go over to Japan, like, make a living as a wrestler, and then I found, okay, that's not working out, and you know, the the break hasn't happened, so I'll just see if I can create my own thing, and, and I found something that needed to be served, and we served it up, and we're still, still doing it. It's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Now, speaking of serving up and exciting, uh, Rocky Mountain Pro's got a huge week uh, coming up uh, this uh, upcoming weekend. Uh, tell the listeners about what Rocky Mountain Pro has because it's a uh, actually very exciting, and it's a little bit different than the than the norm than we have week to week with Rocky Mountain Pro. So, uh, tell the listeners all about that.
1: Right, so this whole month is actually crazy. This weekend is the crazy weekend to kick off the crazy month. Yeah. If you include Respect, the Respect Women's Wrestling Show, there's 12 events this month alone. That's a whole year's worth of events in one in one month. Yeah. And this weekend it kicks off with Thursday, where we, like you were saying, it's different than a normal week. Thursday we're usually at the quarry and Golden taping TV at seven o'clock Mountain Time. So this week we have Great American Beer Festival, so we'll actually be a rack house at 10 p.m. tomorrow night on a Thursday night for Great American Beer Festival. And then Friday we'll tape TV at the fairgrounds in Golden. That'll be Supercharged 9. Curtis Cole and myself will be you know, uh, challenging for our titles back against Tuco Scorpio and Alex Anthony. So we've got Thursday rack house. Great American Beer Festival, Friday, Supercharged 9 at the Fairgrounds, and then Saturday, we'll be back up in Lafayette at Romero's Canine Club and Tap House, and Great American Beer Festival's still going on, so we're probably going to have a pretty good turnout there as well, and it's going to be three three exciting nights of wrestling, and then we move into next week and just keep it rolling.
0: Yeah, and like you said, keep an eye out on the horizon towards the end of the month for uh, Shocktober.
1: Right october and uh, it's gonna be at the summit music hall again milestone nine was there back in june went very well we hope to repeat that right there 19th of uh, pretty good night should- yeah yeah it should be
0: it should be exciting on- yeah
1: so that will be streaming on pay-per-view that summit first october and that is sunday october
0: 27th and uh if uh, Matt, Matt, people wanted to uh, follow you up and Rocky Mountain Pro on uh, social media, where could they do that?
1: So, you want to follow Rocky Mountain Pro uh, on social media? It's at the Rocky MTN Pro across almost all the platforms. So, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook are the Rocky MTN Pro. If you want to find us on YouTube, just search Rocky Mountain Pro. If you go directly, it's the youtube.com slash Rocky Mountain Pro. Same for on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Rocky Mountain Pro. So if you put any of these in the search, you'll be able to find it pretty easily.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's how you
1: follow Rocky Mountain Pro. Uh, it, it, same thing, you know, Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy. A couple months ago, we changed the name to Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling Academy. So you can find all that on the RMP site, RMPwrestling.com. You click the training section if you want any info on training to be a professional wrestler. Uh, that's where you will go for that. Me on social media at Mercury Yaden against all, across all platforms. So Twitter, Instagram uh, at Mercury Yaden That's where you can you can find me there. Uh, I'm on Twitch as well at Mercury Yaden, but when I stream stuff, most of it's on the Rocky Mountain Pro channel anyway.
0: So. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, well, thanks again, uh, Matt, for uh, join, uh, coming on to RMP Radio, and uh, I will, of course, be seeing you this weekend.
1: All right, I look forward to it. We appreciate everything you do, Already, Thanks. Keep it up. All right, thanks. All right,
0: bye. Bye. Once again, a big thank you to Mercury Matt Yadin, the owner of Rocky Mountain Pro, for coming on to this episode of RMP Radio. And letting us all get to know just a little bit more about the person behind the wrestler. And then also telling us about all the great events that Rocky Mountain Pro has coming up this week and for the rest of the month. We'll talk about those in just a bit, but before uh, we get there, let's pay some bills like they used to say back in the day. You want to get some uh, great merchandise from your favorite Rocky Mountain Pro superstars, head over to rmpwrestling.com. click on the merch link. Or you can even go to Amazon and search for Rocky Mountain Pro, and you can find all great uh, shirts and other items there to purchase. In um, this week, uh, may, I suggest maybe a Tag Dudes, a Double Tag In, or even maybe even a Retro World's Most Funnest Tag Team. If you want to uh, go with that retro look, that would be fun. Uh, let's talk about upcoming events we got coming up for this week for Rocky Mountain Pro. You can find all of them at rmpwrestling.com and click on the events link. But specifically for this week, we have, like Matt had mentioned, the Beer House Brawl uh, at uh, the Rackhouse Pub in Denver. Starts at 10 o'clock. I believe the doors open at 9. Uh, I believe this is a uh, free event. So uh, they just ask you to uh, turn that money that you would spend on a ticket, turn that around into some merchandise, some refreshments at the Rackhouse Pub, and the such that would be great. So then on Friday, uh, normally, which like Man mentioned, uh, Thursday is actually when charged, but Supercharged 9 is going to be on a Friday at the quarry at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds uh, at uh, 7 p.m. So that. Should be great, and then uh, Rocky Mountain Pro Live on Saturday, October fifth at nine p.m. at the Romero's K Nine Club and Tap House up in Lafayette. Hopefully, maybe we might see some repercussions of what happened at Supercharge Nine the night before. And if you guys want to get tickets uh, for any of these events? Just head over to Rocky RMP Wrestling, Rocky Mountain Pro's website, RMPWrestling.com. That I should say, and you can purchase all your tickets right there. And then, of course, keep your eye on the horizon for other events coming up uh, for the rest of the month. We got a uh, another event at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, looks like Army of Darkness is going to be the movie. It's going to be played after the wrestling. And then, of course, the uh, Shocktober event from the Summit Music Hall. Want to watch RMP Wrestling? Uh, if you are not in the area, or if you just want to watch it again, if you are in the area, you can watch it on Fight TV uh, through our uh, YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Rocky Mountain Pro. Of course, twitch.tv slash Rocky Mountain Pro. And the Facebook also, our Facebook page also has the uh, videos as well. Sometimes it goes live. And then, of course, you can also find it at impactplus.tv. Uh, you just have to go through the uh, Independence or Indies link. Just navigate a little bit further uh, in that app and website, and you will find us. Want to follow us on uh, social media and on the Internet? Uh, you can get us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all with the name of The Rocky MTN Pro, and that is The Rocky Mike Tango November Pro. And everything, of course, stems from RMPWrestling.com. So I want to thank you all for listening to this edition of RMP Radio, where pro wrestling is elevated.